You would have to have a heart of darkness not to feel anything from this tale. Welcome my mere mortalites to another round of the Mere Mortals book reviews. My name is Kyron and I do these book reviews for those who want to transcend beyond their own mere mortality. Today's episode is slightly different. I'm outdoors. We're in lockdown here in Queensland so I'm going to have to change some things up. And as I alluded to, Heart of Darkness, well, the book is indeed Heart of Darkness by Joseph Conrad. This book is quite old. It was published in 1899 and has only 85 pages so it's very thin the version I have here actually is the Heart of Darkness and the Complete Congo Diaries. So it actually has a couple of additional stories, more books and journals from Joseph Codrand in the back. Now, this one is a fictional retelling of his own adventures in the Congolese jungle. So the story begins with Marlowe. Now, Barlow is a sailor and we meet him and then he retells his own story. So once again, a sort of story within a story type deal going on here. He is telling his buddies about when he was a young man and became the captain of a steamboat. And he had this ambition, this desire to explore the world and go into these deep, unknown, dark places. So the only place he can get a captain ship, I guess you'd call it, is on a steamboat in the Congolese jungle. So he goes to the Congo and it starts off with a series of settlements. So he goes into the outside settlement and hears of these people and then hears of Kurtz for the first time. He has to travel inland by foot to these even deeper places places where he meets more Englishmen, Belgium, you know, Dutch people, all sorts of people from the, I guess, Western Empire back in those days. And he is uh, trapped there for a period because his steamboat is broken. They've broken his damn steamboat. So he's trapped there for a couple of months and he keeps hearing of this Kurtz character who is an ivory trader. Further up, he's one of the agents for the company who essentially obtains the ivory from the the Congolese people. Now, he eventually fixes his boat and starts moving up, and this is where his troubles begin. He has a arduous journey, I suppose, going up the river, very slow, very excruciating, and they're really not sure what they're going to find because it's been so long since Kurtz has been contacted. As they get closer, as they are only a couple of miles away from reaching the settlement, they're attacked by the natives from the shore, and his helmsman dies, and this is a pretty profound experience for him. When he lands, he meets Kurtz and realizes, oh man, this guy's quite ill and is suffering, he's delusional, he is has these grandeur about him and he's always known as this orator. He's a mythical creature. He's someone just absolutely unbelievable. So Kurtz is brought onto the boat and they're going to take him back to civilization to get him ill, but he is reluctant to. He doesn't want to. He wants to stay because he has these dreams. He wants to create this magnificence about him. He has big things, ambitious things to do. I won't spoil the ending of the book, but let's just say we learn a bit more about Kurtz and we hear some of his words before the author ties up some loose ends right at the end of the book. On the author, Joseph Conrad, man, he seems like a real fascinating character. So he was born in Poland and actually didn't learn English until his 20s, but this book was written in English. So this is not something he created through just, you know, learning the language when he was quite young. No, he studied obviously had to study really hard to learn English to get to a level where he was comfortable writing in it. He was a sailor by trade but also became renowned as an author and his writings are pretty prolific and he's sort of known as being one of the most influential writers of the 19th century, let's just say. And uh, this is real fascinating because in Australia, where I am at the moment, I had never really heard of him before. His writings never really appeared on the radar. I had heard of this book but really only offhand, so it was fascinating for me to be able to jump into it and see what it's all about. We'll move on to the themes now and the first is darkness, the horror of the ivory trade. And I'm going to go over some spoilers here, so if you don't want to know what happens, move on from here. 
Kurtz's final words are pretty fascinating, which are the horror, the horror. And this is when he is on the boat and he's dying of this illness. We're not really sure what it is. He passes away and those are his last words. And I think this really sums up what the ivory trade was about. So once we see the uh, the narrator, Marlowe, actually gets his feet on the ground and is starting to do things. So he moves into the Congo, then he moves further inland, and then he goes deeper and deeper. And there's this mounting suspense. And along the way, you see all of the bad things that are happening. So you see the, I suppose, cruelty of the pilgrims, the other people in the ivory trade, the cruelty to the natives. We see the sickness, the death and disease, not only of Kurtz, but basically everyone in the book gets sick from something, most likely malaria. We see the dying of the slaves. So these are the Congolese people who are in neck irons and they've been forced to move equipment. They've been forced to mine and essentially left to starve because they are just not treated well at all. Wasted resources left, right and center. Obviously, being in the heart of the jungle, it's really hard to communicate what exactly you want. Remember, this is in the days without modern technology. So there is no uh, phone service. There is no internet. There is no way of easily transporting getting drones to fly the equipment they need into there. No, it has to be carried on the back through the blood, sweat, tears, and ultimately lives of all these people. And we even stop short in this book. We don't see the full extent of the horrors because we don't see how the elephants are being killed for their ivory. We don't see the interactions between Kurtz and the tribesmen and how he's actually acquiring this ivory. So there's all sorts of things, but we do get the sense, man, this ivory trade business, this is pretty wrong. This is pretty horrible. And It got me thinking, what are some of the causes? So I I wrote down a little list here of them. So direct non-care, I would say, is a leading cause. So this is where we see the Englishmen, the pilgrims, those sorts of people, they just do not care. They do not care about the lives of the black people there, for example. They put zero value on that. If one of them dies, hey, it's just a slave, we'll get another one. So there's this you know, misalignment of values where they just do not have this ability to say, hey, these people are important, they're human beings, they feel just as we are. It's almost like, no, they're a different sort. We can do whatever we want to them and it doesn't matter. Another one, unpriced externalities. So this is something that we see nowadays with, I suppose, climate change and this is pollution. You know, it affects everyone, but not anyone directly. Very same sort of thing there. So there's all these things going on where you can do damage to the Congo. You can create this animosity between, let's just say, Africa and the English Empire. And it doesn't matter because it doesn't affect one person directly. It's more of a widespread thing. Another one was the chain of effects are just too far. So we don't see this in the book, but I imagine... You know, there's someone buying a piano in Victorian England and there's plenty of ivory in it and they're just thinking, wow, what a wonderful piano. But they don't see all of the steps that lead up to, you know, chain gangs and people in neck iron, starvation and cruelty and death and all of that. It's just too far removed. There's too many steps along the chain. So each time someone makes a little bit of a compromise, it's not too much. But if the you take up the whole sum of it it's just one big compromise and you're like god damn is this ivory equivalent to this many black lives for example so a lot of the horror is obviously caused by the english empire but i would not say that this is the end of the story there because as always there's two sides and so the africans weren't lovey-dovey themselves they had a lot of serious issues going on there and this is where you can see the cannibals so there's talk of them in the book that you can see the the witchcraft the aggressiveness there is this inability to communicate as well so all of these things add up where it's yes the english empire and the representatives of that i guess are doing very horrible cruel things to create this ivory trade and to put value there but then the africans themselves you know they are not 
the epitome of goodness and blessedness and they're doing all nice things as well. No, they'll kill people, they'll eat them, they'll do all sorts of things, they'll have crazy beliefs which are harming to themselves and to uh, outsiders and foreigners. So, yes, the ivory trade is bad and you can probably put most of the blame on the English people, but that's not to say that life would have been any much better or significantly more better for the African people if the foreigners, the Englishmen, hadn't been there as well. The second thing that jumped out at me, and this also ties into the title, is madness, losing the heart of your ideals. So we see this really with the two principal characters, Marlow and Kurtz. So Marlow is a full of adventurer, of whimsy. He has this hope in him when he goes there. And as he goes and he continues to interact with the people and with the journey and gets further and deeper into the jungle, you do see this gradual madness coming upon him his this fear not only of the natives and what he's going to find with Kurtz but I think also within himself because his writing becomes a bit more frenetic and he becomes a lot less sure of his ideals and what it actually is he is doing there because as he gets deeper he's like man I don't I'm not sure I want to be part of any of this ivory trade business Kurtz is maybe a bit of a different story, but you see also within him that he's a great man, that he has ambition, that he wants to become someone of note, and he has this magnificent oration. Everyone is drawn to him, this charisma, I guess you'd say. But this ambition, I think, leads to darker things for him because he's actually following upon it. So he's actually enacting these things. So he does all sorts of things like ivory pilfering, and we're really not sure of how he interacts with the tribesmen. They seem to have this respect for him, but the people in the company themselves are saying, man, he's doing dodgy business. He's doing bad things. Yes, he's getting a lot of ivory, but it's really not in the way that we want it to be, which you make even think, man, those people who are saying that are pretty bad people. So what does that say about Kurtz as well? As they both become madder, I think this is reflected in their body condition as well. So Kurtz, we definitely see, becomes deathly ill and then dies. Marlow gets onto the brink of death and manages to recover. Maybe there's a difference between the two because Kurtz is actually implementing, he's doing things uh, that are hurting people in the real world with the ivory trade, whereas Marlow seems to be more of an observer. He's just watching it, and this still affects him quite deeply. However, madness isn't necessarily a totally bad thing. I think it does have some place in maybe some good aspects. So if we look at Kurtz, man, he had charisma. This guy was renowned throughout. You didn't even have to meet him to be in awe of him. And he was a man going places. So it's got me thinking of, I recently talked in Gold's Book of Fish about insanity. And I think there is a difference between the two. So insanity seems to be something within that is an obsession. You have zero control of it. Whereas madness, maybe you have a passion for something and it's overwhelming, but it's not to the point of completely losing yourself. Whereas insanity gets to that range where it just tips you over gets to that point where people can't understand the internal processes anymore. Whereas with madness, you can say, oh, okay, this guy really loves this thing, so it sort of makes sense how he's acting, even though it's something I would never do myself. So what marks the boundary point between madness being good and madness being bad? Well, I think the descent into madness plays a bit of a part in this, that phrase. And so it really got me thinking, as they go on, I think it's making compromises. So they both have this ideal. One wants to become renowned, a man of action who's going places. Another wants to adventure, see the world, has this whimsy and this hope about them. But as they make compromises to make this happen, i.e. get involved with the ivory trade, you know, do bad things to the other natives, to the Congolese, to become renowned, to get the wealth, to do all of these things. I think it's the accumulation of these compromises that can end up being to you 
fully compromising your ideals in a way onto my personal observations and takeaways and for me i really see little difference between us and them so us as being the western reader the person reading this in english so you are from a country where you would probably put yourself more in the shoes of marlo than of the congolese and then there's the congolese the natives the slaves the savages i guess if you want to call them that and for me yeah there was basically zero difference between them you could see cruelty on both sides you could see the aggressiveness the fear all of the actions being taken one country one system i guess just has more power in terms of technology and in terms of information in terms of wealth uh, but the people within it seem to act the same and if it was switched around you could imagine the same thing happening i could imagine a world where it was the congolese the africans who developed science and then you know moved forward gained technology and first and then they came to places like europe and subjugated the the europeans and things like that just the quirks of history i guess you'd say that but when you look at them i think that's one thing that comes from this book is that man there's there's not much difference between us the book does a fantastic job of this mounting tension and apprehension at the start it all seems pretty rosy and as you get deeper and deeper it does seem to go like oh man there's something bad's going to happen and i've found myself almost tensing up a little bit like turning the next page what's going to happen when they actually find kurtz turn the next page okay they're going to try and escape with him what's going to happen now so i think for such a short book it really drives home this uh, feeling this oppression in the air as you're reading it i thought that was really really nice writing i did enjoy this setup with the narrator as well so this is where we meet marlo and we spend maybe five pages at the start almost learning about him and then he dives into his own story and that quick scene change i think i do like that because it really sets up who the narrator is and what point of view it's coming from and it only takes a very short amount you know five pages is really nothing but it's really nice to see that in terms of the actual book itself i really didn't like the setup of this one this one was published by one world classics the density of the text is crazy it just keeps going and going there's no real breaks it has these small line breaks but no space between the paragraphs which i didn't particularly like it also includes the congolese diaries here so these are two diaries written actually by joseph conrad when he was traveling through the congo these are kind of boring i would not really recommend these the first one i guess is more interesting because he adds his own notes of getting sick of what he thinks and of seeing dead people on the side of roads and stuff still very short entries um, for example today fell into a muddy puddle beastly the fault of the man that carried me etc etc the second one is more similar to i guess you would could sort of think of it as the really boring version of life on the mississippi by mark twain so these are the steamboat entries going into it now in that one in that book mark twain talks about all of the exciting things and how a steamboat captain has to work and all of the different directions the sounding poles and stuff this one is just straight up pure observations pretty boring i read it there was only i don't know 20 pages worth of it and even then i skipped the last couple because i just went uh this is this holds no value for me it's just (laughs) some random stuff so in summary it packs a punch for such a small book it has a quite a slow pace so don't expect anything fast or quick about it it just meanders sort of like the steamboat that is a central part of the story and as it gets deeper and deeper into the story the mounting tension apprehension grows into this fear and malaise of what marlo is going to find i really like that kurtz was such a central character but his non-appearance really added to the charisma to the intensity the curiosity of what's going on what's he going to find i think joseph conrad is a pretty decent writer from what i've gone here and i'm probably going to read more so in total 
The Heart of Darkness by Joseph Conrad. I'm going to give it a 7.5 out of 10. Pretty damn good book. So, Mere Modelites, we've come to the end of another book review and I really do want to thank you for joining me up until this point. If you'd like to hear more, you can hit follow or subscribe on whatever platform it is you're listening on. And if you could go over to Apple and iTunes and leave five stars and a nice review, that really does help me out. To interact or connect with me, you can find me on Instagram at Mere Mortals Podcast. And other than that, I hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are in the world. Kyron out.